Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast, a podcast for teachers, parents, and students who are interested in, well, reinventing education. I'm Rob McLeod. Silke Weiss, an innovative educator from Germany. Her work with Learn Culture Zeit and Schulkultur Zeit develops and provides seminars, retreats, and webinars. These help bring forth the kinds of teachers and people who will help evolve education. We discuss the importance of authentic relating in schools, how we spend our lives in school, and teaching as a life path. We are joined by Silke Weiss this morning. Silke, you and I, we've had the chance to meet a few times in person. And after every encounter we've had, I've always told Brendan afterwards, man, I can't wait to connect the two of you. Because Silk is out there doing incredible work, pioneering very interesting stuff within the integral education world, and incredibly fostering all of this within the German language. Um, I just think it's incredible what you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. <laughs> I don't know where to start because there are so many things that you're involved in. Learn Culture Zeit being the main umbrella. Uh, perhaps you could translate the word for us and give us a sense of some of the work that you do. Lernkulturzeit. Learning culture time. <laughs> um, yes, we some. It's a combination of uh, um, learning culture. So, in what culture do we want to learn and teach in the future? And time really take time to think about it to reflect about it and have time also for this transformational change because if we want to go in a different culture um, I always ex explain it with the four quadrants because you have like outer change and inner change and personal change and more collective change processes so if you really want to build a new culture, we can't do it alone. But it starts with everybody changing himself or herself to a different, to different values, to different attitudes, how we um, see ourselves as teachers and how, what we are doing in schools. And all these change processes take time. So, um, starting with being a teacher and then uh, being a trainer for teachers, um, I quickly noticed that um, all the programs that are set up for teachers, like training programs, they they just start. They they bring skills to to people, and then everybody think now it's done. But that's not the truth so um, we can teach new methods or new skills but this um, personal process of really having transformation from from inside it takes a lot of time and so we create spaces in our trainings that people can come together and um, talk about their attitudes going into deep reflection learning about new models and uh, theories who explain what we are doing in schools. How is, why is it um, exactly in this way we have it now and why can't we change and, at the moment and what are the ways um, we can approach the change? So... And especially, I think we, we create spaces for people to um, go in these uh, transformational process. I'm assuming you're working with people or schools who are actually wanting a change, but maybe are unable to articulate it exactly. Can you let us in on what some of your work looks like when you're working with groups? Well, when I work with Lernkulturzeit uh, groups, Mm, these are people who already ha uh, have gone some steps into a transformational process. And 
they come because they want to come. <laughs> and this is quite an easy work because people are prepared and they're really open for change and for new information and for new attitudes. And at the same time, I'm working in the, in the system, in the school system, and sometimes I'm called for um, guiding a process in school development. And then not everybody wants to change. So I'm also dealing with a lot of resistance. And, um, and sometimes teachers are special clients because they know everything. <laughs> And they know it better. <laughs> and, um, and especially in the system in Germany, um, teachers can't be um, fired. So they are employed for a lifetime. So um, if they don't want to change, so you can't do nothing. You can't say, okay, please leave school because we want to do uh, something else here. And um, yeah, but my impression in the moment is that um, people are more and more open for change because they realize that society has changed a lot. And so their pupils do. And um They can't go back. Some are still um, saying, oh, I want, I want it like it was like 10 years before. I want my pupils back. I want my circumstances back. But this is impossible. We have so many themes at the moment in school development, like how, we, how do we integrate um, the people they come, that come from different countries? How can we deal with the... Um, um, diversity in classroom how can we deal with the fact that most schools are now for the whole day so schools become more and more not only learning spaces but living spaces and so we have to, to, to think about um, what is being a teacher it's not from 8 to 12 so perhaps you have to be there for the whole day so and this makes a lot of resistance in people. And also with all the, the social problems that come into schools, we have to work, we have to collaborate more between different professions. So we have not only teachers, we have social workers, we have uh, special teachers for disabled children because we have, it in, we have them in the school now in like inclusive um, lessons, in inclusive um, uh, groups and this these are new uh, demands for for teachers and really big um, challenges for the whole school organization and more and more the school leaders and teachers realize that we can't go on with the old structures we have to like reinvent the whole thing we have to reinvent our roles we have to reinvent how do we think about schools? And, um, and if you then bring some inspirations, like, oh, look at this school. They have changed it. And it's really a story of success. They begin to dream again. Ah, maybe there's a chance that school could be totally different where people can relax when they come into this building where they learn a lot and are not stressed and um, this is also something I really like to do to to bring like inspiration and hope that um, that it is possible to change and perhaps maybe it's at the beginning a bit more work but at the end everybody has a profit out of it and so we are organizing a lot of network conferences and um, spaces that um, people can exchange their experience when they go on new ways. Because it's, it's difficult. If you go a new way that nobody has gone before, there is no 
guarantee that at the end you will succeed. So there is a, like, like you go in the, into the jungle where nobody else has, has gone before. You, ha, you have this, uh, this big knife. I don't know how to say it in English. Machete. A machete. Machete. <laughs> so, and, and the pioneers go first with, with a machete and then some others follow and more and more the path gets bigger and some days late, some years later, perhaps there is a big road that everybody can go. But if you go the first steps, it feels a bit scary. Yeah. Do you think the pressure for these teachers and organizations is inevitable? Or do you sense that they can feel it's inevitable? While some are trying to go back to what worked in the past, what forces do you see in action that that end up compelling this change? It depends. Um, the schools who are, who are dealing with the most difficult pupils are more open to change <laughs> because um, they can't do it in the old structures. One conservative structure is the German gymnasium. Um, and um, there you can find um, more conservative ways of teaching and, and not really openness for change. It's, it's more difficult to do it there. And some of our listeners might be unfamiliar with the German gymnasium system. The German gymnasium is uh, where people go from um, 10 to, to the final exam um, uh, abitur. Um, how, how is the word in English for apitur? Yeah. yeah, I'd say there's no direct translation, at least to my experience in the North American system, but it's kind of like the um, proof or the final exam to prove that you have completed high school and are ready to move on to the next stage of school. Yeah, I, I'm just, just going to jump in there because it's the closest analogy to British A-level system. At 18, we take four or five subjects that then would be used in many cases to move on to university. It's, it's similar to that A-level system in Britain. Okay. Yeah, and just a little bit more context historically. So my understanding was it's traditionally the gymnasium is where the best and the brightest would go, like the top 2% of the in-class, the enrichment students. Um, and over time, that seems to have shifted that more and more students have been able to gain access within the gymnasiums. Um, but even still to this day, they're typically seen as a much more conservative uh, approach to education, very much sink or swim. There's not a lot of support offered from the teachers, and it's kind of up to the individual student to prove that without this support and the high expectations put on them that either they sink or swim, they really need to prove themselves in order to pass this. Is that accurate? Yes. Mm. Yes. And also, and it's also like um, mm, the preference for academic, for the academic way. So that's still the belief that if you have um, a good final exam and then you go to university and study and that's the perfect way to um, have a su successful life but this was um, this is old-fashioned so it's not longer um, it's not longer true not everybody who's going to university has a good job at the end and um, this was like a bit um, a wrong development in the last decades. So we have to think about it again because not for everybody, the academic way is the right path. And so we um, have a lot of not really prepared students for university. The universities are claiming um, uh, people are not really prepared. For, for some people, it's um, it would be more uh, adequate to take like a professional career 
but this has a bad reputation still in Germany. I, I have the impression that it's a bit changing now. So young men building a house with no T-shirt on, brown bodies. <laughs> it becomes a bit sexy. So people... <laughs> people are warming up to the idea. Well, even in my own family, both of my brothers are essentially carpenters. And probably for the rest of our lives, the two of them are going to earn like double the money that I do as a teacher. So these are no longer low-paid jobs. These are actually very well-paid professions. Also here in Germany, you you never find a good uh, carpenter and they they are always booked and they gain a lot of money. So, <laughs> And school change is challenging because the schools change in order to meet the world around them. And the world is changing so dramatically right now. And school needs to be able to kind of figure out what is needed in the environment. And that's a difficult task to do in real time. Now, years ago, I imagine the gymnasium type process we were describing was a good fit for that kind of society at the time. And we're sort of making the case, and I know it's a big discussion in Germany, that perhaps it needs to be updated somewhat to better meet the needs in 2018. Do you see some common themes that that go across all kinds of schools, common themes that schools need to address in their cultures, their systems, or practices to better meet the world as it is in 2018? When I talk about um, the school of the future, I mostly start with welcome in the VUCA world. VUCA being the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Yes. And most people never heard about it. And then I talk about disruptive changes that we had in the last decades and that we will have in the future. Um, and I give some examples. And then often I notice that people never have have never thought about it. How will the environment change for our pupils? So people who start, or children who start now going to school and leave it after 10 or 13 years, they will live in a totally different world. And so we can't know what they will need then. What is the best? And so we... We have to do one thing, have really a closer look. What is their potential? What are their competences? What is it they are really good in and they are really strong? And have more a look to the potential and not to the weaknesses. So um, this is a totally change of the paradigm. But I noticed that um, there is a, a lack of information. If you are in school and um, if you are fully working as a teacher, as you certainly know, you have a lot to do. So there's a lot of work. And, um, and then you have also the community in your school. You have uh, social relations and uh, your social life in, in school, you have your relationships. So it, this takes a lot of time, and then there's no much, not, not so much capacity to, to think about future circumstances. And I think there's a, a lack of information. And, um, and it's, it's a bit difficult. Um, if you give too much information, people start to, um, to be really uncertain and and, and start to 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 fear to to become fear uh, to to have fear and start to deny it. It's too much. So you have to find the the right um, dose of information, um, and also not to let them go into a really deep hole. 
but give them examples how they can deal with it. This is um, that um, in the last decades, I think they were like um, a bit frustrated about um, so many um, requests from the system, do this, do that. Now we have this project and this project. Now it's developing in this direction and the next year now the other direction. And they're a bit frustrated and not so open for more changes. Mm -hmm. So the, the first thing is to, to activate, like um, to, to give them a glimpse of what is possible um, in their own environment for um, having some change for being active and taking some responsibility for their environment and and um and do small things well it's funny that you're saying small things here because i think a lot of teachers have gotten disenfranchised with the idea of changes in schools because there is always this new thing there's a new project and Two years later, we're not doing it. We're on to the next thing. We're on to the new thing. And these are changes, but they're surface level changes. And the system that remains underneath it is still the same. And we're just changing the, the deck chairs on the Titanic, as some people say. But what I think I hear you talking about is addressing that core foundation of what we are as schools. And how do we throw out what we've been doing and start fresh. I mean, in from our own discussions, I mean, the feedback loop between school and society reinforced one another. And I, I can't remember which website of yours it came from, but you had said that schools and colleges um, are like acupuncture points for social change. So, are, is it right or fair to say that uh, like you're trying to support a different kind of citizenship, society, and sense of self that's maybe not common yet? within our the way we're living you can't separate this this so um if you get some um if you for example if you work with the school and i put some information and give give them um like a perspective where where do we uh, go in the future and how can we prepare our children in the best way to deal with it um, it's like, um, and then we, we work with them to, to activate their, their deepest values again, and why they are teachers and what they are really want to do. And from this point, uh, think about the structures, if it really necessary, if it is really necessary to do it like in this or in that way, and what can we change? And this is, um, I think um, sometimes I, I go out uh, from, a, from, a, from a day when I work with schools and I have the feeling, okay, this was the start of a transformational journey. Um, and not everybody has to, to get it uh, uh, immediately. So it's like you drop it in. <laughs> um, and then it will it will work. It will take time. So discussion in, um, will start, and um, some people get it, and they they go in different ways, and you support them, and others see oh it's working, and they follow them. So, um, and and you can't uh, you can't separate this this from um, when when we really think about how. Do we, um, how do we teach? What is our role? What are our attitudes? What are our values? And uh, really come to the point um, what is necessary to support people for the future, for their pupils for the future. Then um, their beha the behavior will change and this will have consequences to the organization there will be a different uh, structure also in, in the schedule of schools. And, uh, but mainly the, 
the attitudes and the, the relationship between teachers and students will change. So they will be more on an on a, a equal level and respect more um, the children and in their rights, in their needs, in their competences. And this will lead to a different um, citizen, of course. Mm. And starting with the teachers, I mean, like there's so much PD, so much professional development out there and available to us. Like we're swimming in it. Um, the thing I pick up on from your work, though, is you can't just train the person as a teacher. It sounds like you're wanting to meet that person and develop them as a person. You must introduce practices for their teaching along the way with practices to develop as a person. Can you give us some examples from your work of how you go about this? Well, I think there is some... <laughs> Perhaps we we can sum up in some headlines. We are dealing with education and consciousness. So become conscious of what you are doing and then have the possibility to change. And we... Um, um, train skills how to become more conscious so how to hear your inner voice again and um, find back your uh, come back to your intuition and your um, your your deep feeling for what is what is right or wrong and also to see um, how do you react to certain situations and what has it to do with your um, personal story so like we do a lot of shadow work with people and we see it like being a teacher is like going on a certain path so we sometimes i call it the teacher's path it's your possibility to develop your highest human potential in a way when you accept that working with people always has has to do with working with yourself and become clearer and clearer how do you re react to people? Why? Why is it like this? And see it as a chance to um, grow in your personality and develop yourself. And so we do it in a, in a for example, in a one-year training. And um, at the end, you, you get it like a degree or um, a title of being Lern Kultur Coach, Learning Culture Coach. And it's not like coach you have sometimes the meaning in, in a football in the football that you you all uh, just train some skills but coach really in the original meaning of uh, guiding a person to develop their own potential so and this has a lot of to do with develop your own potential so if i have made the experience of how does it feel like being in a group being seen as who I am and who I'm, what I really want to do in the world and be supported and, um, and finding my inner truth, then I can open spaces for people I want to support in their highest potential. But it has a lot to do with first going you the way for yourself. And I think personal development in a group so that a group can reflect you um, to find your highest potential is a very good way to, to do this because uh, the group creates a, a strong field and um, a space of trust that you can just relax into it and from, from this point open up and, and um, develop into your own highest potential. Which sounds like a great antidote for the VUCA world of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It seems like in that kind of world, one of the most important skills to have would to be clear on your own path and your strengths and your abilities to face the VUCA world. What your strengths are, what you're going to do in this world by being able to set your sights high and, and take on that responsibility to pursue it, uh, just seems like this is a beautiful thing for teachers 
to come more in contact with and, and have that trickle back to their students in the classroom? At the moment, we are thinking about if it has to be the teacher or if land culture coach, the learning culture coach is even a new profession in schools so that you can go on this way as a teacher, but you don't have to. Perhaps we need a new um, profession that is not a social worker who deal with the problem, that is not the teacher who is dealing more perhaps with the, with the content, but it's a person who is specialized and trained to guide people in their personal development. And not, o not only the people, but maybe the whole community. How are we communicating with each other? Is our, um, um, how, how is um, the atmosphere we are creating in our team? What values do we have? So we have, I think, if we go for a new profession in school, and I think this would help to change the system, if we have people in who are really uh, conscious about these changing um, processes, so we can have um, two benefits. One is support people in their personal development, teachers or even uh, um, pupils or even teachers, but also like have a look on, on the field we are creating together in schools as um, the colleagues. Um, because one thing you said is important if we go in a world who's so uncertain, you have to find your inner stability that guide you. But at the same time, these challenges for change um, I think it's not possible that only one person can say, okay, let's do it like this. So we need the collective intelligence. We need the people like switched on with their personal intelligence and, and bring it together. And um, I sometimes uh, compare it with the work in our brain. So we have brain cells, <laughs> but one brain cell is not intelligent. The intelligence comes from the connection and from the exchange. So, and like the brain cells do it with their, with like neurotransmitters and electric signals. Um, we have to do it with relationship and communication. And so if the relations are not uh, open and, people don't communicate with each other, the system gets less intelligent and can't deal with the, um, with the challenges. And so I think these two, um, these two um, processes, one on the personal level and one on the collective level, and these are inner processes, I think this would be good to have like a profession in school Uh, like this uh, learning culture coach um, who brings in new information and skills. It seems obvious when you say that if we're going to reinvent education or upgrade education, we must then upgrade the people within it, how we interact with each other and, and who we are. We must upgrade to have new roles within schools that didn't previously exist. We can't just stick to what used to work and then pick and choose from within that, if we're going to reinvent or evolve or upgrade education, we need to upgrade and reinvent the systems, the structures, the ways that we interact with one another, our behaviors, our practices, and some of our beliefs about how we should be together with each other. Yes, of course. It's absolutely necessary. And I think the, the need for change is more and more obvious. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Great. That's, that's been really interesting to listen to. I have a few questions and themes. If, if it's good, if this is a good time for me to jump in. Yes. 
You're welcome. Yeah. Um, lots and lots of really inspiring ideas there. And I, I think um, the idea of intelligent systems is something that I've been trying to put my finger on for a little while. I haven't used that kind of terminology, but I've been talking around it. And I wanted to ask you, I guess, some questions related to this. Um, I, I would say my, my, my first question is, having come from a, a German school that has a gymnasium, and I, I know you've already said that's kind of the most difficult and the most conservative place to begin this process. Um, so, so maybe my question's a little bit tough, but how would you advise a school that is so heavily um, connected to uh, tests and uh, state curriculum and those pressures? How would you begin that process to move into making those kind of schools more developmentally minded? I think every process that deals with inner development, you can't initiate it if people don't want it. So the first step has to be that they want some change so that they are open. Yeah. If they don't have a question, you, you can't teach the answers. So they, they won't hear it. Mm. And, um, and, and somehow I'm, I'm fine with it because if we think about going to a new educational system um, and we're talking about diversity and going for the pot potential development, uh, so like a conservative school, like gymnasium, is one kind of school and I, I think it will some some schools will, will stay like really conservative and for some pupils that's the exact the right place to be so okay. they are stable in their selves they want to learn a lot they have a lot of possibilities and they find um, really uh, um, yeah, they find a lot of possibilities to develop their skills. Mm. And I think for for some we we I think we, we shouldn't go for we have to change everything in the same way because this is old fashioned that we do uh, that everybody's doing the same. So when we allow people to go into more personal um development and and to accept um, diversity in school we have to accept that also the the people in school the teachers are very different um, and also that different kind of schools are that's okay if, if you go to a gymnasium uh, you know what you what you have to uh, expect and if you go to a different school it will be different and uh, so it, it will start with um, finding the right school for your development yeah, I, I think that that's um, that's a really clear answer for me because it is about context and the gymnasium is the right place for a lot of students. Yes. And I guess what you're saying of going into it knowing what the gymnasium offers and what kind of skills you will develop there. And I guess currently the system isn't really working in the way that a lot of people going into the gymnasium are possibly actively choosing that path it's more that they want maybe the end product of that path rather yes. than the path <laughs> itself. exactly and i think that's maybe some of the problems with the system as a whole yeah yeah so it's more to to um to support pupils uh who are not um made for going this path to to be um, self-confident mm. if they go another one 
So, because still there's a bit like, oh, you have to go there. If not, um, you won't have success in life. So, and I think we have to work on this yeah. so that pupils are see these different possibilities and and uh, um, yeah. support it to, to go their way. That's an interesting take because I guess in, in many of the other interviews, we've actually talked about the school itself needing to change uh, and there being a kind of developmental school that is right for people rather than having potential different paths. But I'd kind of like to flip that and ask if there were a truly developmental school Maybe maybe you know of one already, but if if there were one or is one, what 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 would that look like? I understand that's a very big and vague picture, but what are some of the things I might see in that school on a day to day basis? Mm-hmm. You will see um, a lot of. Um, ends not this or that but end for example not only digital education or analog but digital and traditional um, methods you will see uh, not only individual um, um, support but or or, um, individual content but also community, time for a community. Um, you have times for instruction and still like being the teacher in the first row and, and, and giving instructions, but also working in groups, working individual, having spaces for relaxing, lying down, take a nap, come to yourself, daydreaming, um, work with your hands, being creative, um, but also learning to do a presentation and a PowerPoint and um, going onto a theater stage. So um, you will have a, a diverse learning uh, environment and yeah. where people are more um, they, they decide what they want to learn and when and with whom. And um, they have teachers as the guide by their side. Not only the instructor, but also the instructor. The instructor and the supporter or the, the mentor or the, the coach. And, and I know um, one school um, in Germany that I find a really good uh, um, uh, school for the title School of the Future. It's a really good model. Uh, Alemannenschule Wut Oeschingen. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm really excited. And they have um, a different, um, they, they, they had a, a process of really um, rethinking, reinventing schools and find a new like pedagogy and then decided to build a new school but with the nucleus of their values and then from there building structures and it looks totally different than any other school i know well what are some of the uh, things that maybe we can learn from this school or take from it into maybe our own schools or um, back into our own practice? Collaboration uh, on eye level. So the, this whole creation of the school was a good cooperation between um, the, the town, the, 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 the mayor of the town. <laughs> and also it's a lot of collaboration on eye level between teachers and students and uh, and and uh, parents so this is really like um a community 
that is working and this we we can learn when we think about building a new building for example uh, a new structure new structures in schools so we have to have this inter exchange between the different uh, groups in schools who are who have an interest in it they trust they have a lot of trust in their pupils mm. and at the same time they 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 have as they are not really having like this 45 minutes lessons and a lot of instruction time uh, teachers have more time to to uh, to be with their children individually so to to really support them in their personal process and you you have the concept of coaches of mentors and it's not such a big school it's a quite it's a like a smaller system so you 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 know each other so this yeah. is also a very important point that i think that we have a lot of problems in bigger schools that we won't have in in smaller in smaller schools or even if we um um have more team structures into a big system so that people know each other. This is um, so that they have really strong personal connections. This is one thing we, we can take out of it. And for example, when I think of the, the, the whole, um, the building, they used a lot of delicate materials. So like very thin curtains, nice floors, and and the surrounding is very beautiful every corner is really designed with a lot of love and um people worship it so they come there and um the director said as we are here the whole day everybody should feel at least as comfortable as at home Every person there has his own working space. So you can go there. This, it's, it's a big space for 150 people. And they, they can work there individually on their own working space. And you, it's quiet. And they enjoy the silence that they can concentrate. So in this school, I really find it... Um, as, as, as the Siri always say, um, children want to learn. We just have to let them do it. <laughs> there you can, you can find a really example for it. It seems the through line in our discussion so far is this idea that we as agents can consciously choose the kind of life that we're wanting. And if we're already spending so much time of our lives in these school buildings as teachers, as students, as administrators. What kind of space do we want to be in? How do we want to feel? What kinds of relationships do we want? And then with that vision, work backwards to ensure that the, the places we're spending so much time in support that and nurture that. Yeah, and you have to accept that being a teacher is not a job. That's a, that's a path. That's that's a life you choose. Yeah, I, the the word that that's really important there is is trust because yes. this is something that keeps coming back up. The theme again of many of the discussions we've had on the podcast and the interviews is that yeah, students want to learn and. Students want to live happy and healthy lives because they're humans and we're all human. And this idea of, of trusting, how, how would you, if you went into a school and they had identified that they, they needed to make changes, but, but one of the issues you felt was trust within the group and within um, the pupils and teachers do you, would you have any strategies that you would introduce to help build that trust it's a lot of it's a, it's a lot of 
about personal relationships and being vulnerable, being honest, starting, starting authentic conversations and being there as a, as your, as a whole being. So you, you don't go in and, um, take off your personality like a coat and bring it to the wardrobe and then being a teacher and uh, after school you, you take your coat your personality you put it on and you go out yeah why 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 can't we tell each other what we are what we are worrying about what are our fears um sometimes uh, when I was in when I was a teacher in school, at the end I, I made a like um, a party to to um, to say a goodbye party, and I brought people together who are working there for more than twenty years together. And uh, on this social event, <laughs> I made some some activities to connect a bit deeper, and they. Uh, suddenly one person said, oh, you are married. I never knew. Something like this. So the, 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 the private person was totally out of, of the system. So it was just me, my, my role as a teacher, my function. And I think this we have to change. So if we connect on a personal level, when I know what are you burning for, what, what's really important for you? Who are you as a person? Um, this will lead to a more stable relationship and more trust. And so yeah. we can cultivate it in, uh, between um, the teachers and this will have also um, consequences for how we deal with our pupils. If we have like this, this, this haven of... Um, when I'm with my colleagues, I'm, I'm safe, I'm supported. I have people who trust me, so I can trust my, children, my, my pupils also, my, my students. So I think this is kind of uh, inter, um, interdependent. This seems like the biggest, possibly the biggest change in the role of the teacher, the expectation that you would be honest and authentic in in what you do um because i think there's always been this element of um trust in a teacher but it's usually been one way it's been the authority figure rather than the the an, an honest trust in in them as a human being rather than just as the role of teacher so uh thanks for for that because i think that's kind of filled in a, a little bit of a gap in something I've been trying to put my finger on. But I, um, yeah, I, I think not underestimating that role of honesty and authenticity and trust in that relationship, all the relationships within the system. Yes. And um, for example, if there is a, I, I recently was in a group um, total different uh, school leaders from different school um, they have to bring on a big project here for for the whole region and i guided the first meeting and what we were doing is like talking about our our diff our personal problems with this project so it was a really open and really personal um talk and Everybody was seen in what, what, what he's dealing about. And, and, and from this point on, we can now go into discussion about how we do this or that. But if we don't have this base, so that I have the feeling I'm seen, I'm right here, everybody accepts me, I can lower my fences and be more authentic, be more personal, and be more vulnerable, and I don't have to defend myself the whole time and going into discussion, and it's really important if I'm right or not. So, and this will, um, yeah, 
I think this will influence the whole process now. Yeah, I think a lot of when those discussions happen in school, a lot of the fears are um, maybe there is an outside expectation that's forcing us to act a certain way. And I think this comes back to you spoke about responsibility before because there'll always be expectations, but it's how we deal with that responsibility. Yes. This idea of introducing authenticity to the system and seeing how it reacts to it, that just sounds like such a big piece of the puzzle that's missing right now. As teachers, there's so many different masks that we often wear as part of the job. And there's parts of ourselves we have to kind of compartmentalize or not give so much attention to or perhaps expand parts of ourselves just to play the role. And a lot of that, I think, runs counter to maybe how we want to be as people. Think about the amount of energy you have to invest to pretend to be someone instead of being yourself with all your yeah. uh, thoughts and all your um, with all with all your your the things you you uh, you are able to do or not able to do with your fears with your feelings you know? instead of pretending i'm the master of disaster i um, can't do everything i have no weaknesses you know? i'm strong and this this has to do a lot with trust and it's uh, people are not used to this in school. They used to to have this kind of openness and relationship, perhaps in 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 their private um, environment, in their families, yeah. but not in school. And we need this, and also people need this. They need the direct contact, not the contact with your role, but with you as a person. If and if they don't get it, they invent strategies like making you so angry that you are exploding, pushing yeah. all the buttons they find. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> they will find a way to get in contact. <laughs> and then if you remember your own uh, time in school and you remember perhaps a teacher who was really uh, honest or really himself, so you could, you, even you, uh, you liked him or you not liked him, but you could connect. And these are, in my um, experience, the people we, we remember more than, than others that have been in their roles. Yes. Yeah, remember the humans, not the uh, automaton uh, teacher. Yeah, it's tough though. It's tough for me. It's tough for me to be a human. But I, I try. I try my best. Yeah, and, and, and um, this is a, a wonderful role model. Well, this seems to be a recurring theme in ideas about how to further education. This idea that students pick up on how we're being even more so than, than what we're doing. We're modeling so much about what, it, what a human being does to kids, uh, being in contact with them. In exact, the, the phase of life where you find out who you are and what you want to do when you're in your life. So if you work later on, perhaps with adults, this is a bit different, but this is a so delicate time and they have so many questions and, 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 and searching for role models. And if you are not there as a person, how could they connect? Hmm. That seems to me like a natural wrap-up spot. Brendan or Silka, anything further that you'd like to add? Just my hope to find more and more people like like you also who are interested in, transform in transformative changes and um, try their best to somehow bring it forward and spread the information like you do with your podcast and your activities. So. Thank you for that. I really appreciate uh, getting the chance to speak to you, Silke. It's, um, 
really inspirational and, and I, I'm very happy to met you and heard um, your philosophies and, your, and, and some practical advice there too. So thank you very much. Thank you. If this episode of Reinventing Education was insightful or useful to you, feel free to reach out and connect to us on social media. We enjoy having your perspective join the conversation about what reinventing education might look like. Feel free to find us on our Facebook page, Reinventing Education Podcast, and join the discussions there. From Brendan and myself, thanks for joining us.